0: We our Revelation series, uh, I think, uh, three weeks ago. So, out of the series, we have set aside two additional weeks to answer some of the uh, frequently asked questions from the last uh, 10 weeks of preaching the Revelation series. So, last weekend was the first of the two and sessions where Pastor Ming-Cham answered a few of the top questions for the series. This week will be the last q and session. And after that, we are done with Revelation. So today, I will attempt to answer the remaining popular questions among Gratians, especially those who have sent in their questions to us. And let's look at one of them right now, which is on the topic of rapture. Say with me, rapture. Now, let me show you right now two representative questions of the many questions that we have received on the rapture. Let me show you the first one right now. Now, the first one says this most believe in the rapture before the great tribulation. Some believe all Christians have to go through it. Let me go through the revel, uh, go through the rap- uh, go through a tribulation as the final test. So, this person is asking, what is the ultimate verse? That means, what is that one verse in the Bible to prove that rapture? will happen before the Great Tribulation? Question one. Question number two is this. Uh, This this is what uh, we have received from Gratians. The the second uh, representative question is this. How come there is no mention of the rapture of the church? I'm referring to the pre-tribulation rapture in this case. Is this an eschatology? eschatology or end time, or the word eschatology means end time, is this an end time teaching that the church subscribes to? Well, to fully understand the issue of the rapture, let me begin with the concept and the definition of the rapture. Now, if you were to study the Bible, the concept of the rapture is found in this one key verse in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 to 17. It says this in verse 16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Now, this passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 shows that the rapture is an end-time event where believers are caught up in the sky with the Lord. Now, therefore, we can define the rapture as as the event where believers, both dead or alive, will be caught up in the clouds to meet our Lord Jesus before His second coming. Now, this concept of of rapture was popularized in the last two decades by the fictional book, Left Behind, written by Tim LaHaye. Now, how many of you have read this book before? Or have seen this book before? Okay, some of you may have. Uh, It's called the Left Behind series, right? Written by Tim LaHaye. Now, let me say that this is a fictional book, right? It's a fictional book. It's written in a story form. And I would highly encourage believers to be careful not to take everything wholesale from this fictional book, all right? Please study the Bible to get the accurate facts and don't take this fictional book as the Bible, can somebody say amen? amen? Now, according to the Bible now, like, coming back to the Bible, uh, let's go beyond, let's go uh, away from this book, right, this uh, called uh, the, um, the Left Behind series. Let me, moving from there, according to the Bible, there is a, a, a the rapture in the end time. Yes, there is. There is this event called the rapture. The question is this church, when does the rapture happen? Now, this question can only be answered depending on which end time system you believe in. Some people believe that the rapture can occur just before the Great Tribulation. Some believe that it can happen during the Tribulation. And others believe it will happen at the end of the Tribulation period. So, for us, the Assemblies of God movement, which Grace Assembly is part of. So, the the, the entire Assemblies of God movement believes that the rapture occurs just before the Great Tribulation starts. This also means that believers will not undergo the Great Tribulation and will be exempted from the wrath of God in the end time. So, this pre-tribulation rapture is part of the dispensationalism end-time system. It's a big word I know. It's called dispensationalism end-time system. Now, dispensationalism was popularized in the 1830s. 1830s, I remember this. 1830s by this guy called John Nelson Darby. He believed that Revelation should be interpreted literally. So with this assumption, John Darby devised an end-time system that propagates the pre-tribulation rapture. Now there are other end-time systems that place the rapture at the midpoint of the tribulation and some at the end point. And as I mentioned earlier, which end-time system you believe will determine then when the rapture happens in theory. So, with the definition of rapture explained, let me go back right now to the, to the part of the question where he asks whether there is one ultimate verse that proves that rapture will take place before the great tribulation. So, let me say this right now. There is no single Bible verse that says that rapture will take place just before the great tribulation. You cannot find a single verse that states that. You will need to place different verses, various verses together to support this possibility. So, the pre trib rapture is part of the end time system worldview of John Darby's dispensational theory or dispensationalism theory. So, it is not a matter of right or wrong to hold this view. It is simply one of the many views of end time. Now, whether you hold on to the pre-trip rapture or the post-trip rapture, whatever whatever view you hold, post-trip, pre-trip rapture, my advice for all of us is, please, please make the trip. Please make the trip. Regardless of which view you hold on to, you can only be on the rapture trip if you have believing loyalty in Jesus Christ. Please don't forget that. Christ Jesus is the only way to experience the rapture. Now, coming back right now to the questions asked. And one of the questions raised was, why? Why is it that we did not mention the rapture during our Revelation series? Now, the answer is very easy, very straightforward. The the answer is this, the book of Revelation does not have any verse that mentions the concept of rapture as described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So, when we exegeted the book of Revelation, we unpacked it without using any end-time system. We, we, we didn't want to use any end-time system to, to exegete the book of Revelation. It was an exegetical approach that we use in unpacking Revelation. And given the many Old Testament imageries and metaphors used in Revelation, we wanted to keep Revelation the way that the first century believers would understand it from the Old Testament perspective. You see, church, the moment we chose this plain vanilla approach to unpack Revelation based on the scriptural text, And not based on an end time system, we avoided concepts that were not found in the book of Revelation. And the concept of rapture, of the rapture, is one of those that are not found in the book of Revelation. And furthermore, dispensationalism concept of pre tribulation rapture was taught in the 1830s, about 200 years ago. I know that for some of us here, 200 years ago seems a long time, right? But if we were to go 2,000 years ago, let's go back 2,000 years, uh, bearing in mind that the pre-trip concept, pre-trip rapture was about 200 years ago. But if we were to go back 2,000 years ago and read the early church fathers' writing, we would not find the pre tribulation rapture concept as propagated by John Darby. And to be true to the first century church understanding of Revelation, we avoided. We avoided using, using modern day end time systems in interpreting Revelation. And that's the reason we did not explain rapture or the rapture from Revelation. So what happened was that after one of the preaching sessions on Revelation, someone came and said to me this. Said, said and, and told me, Pastor, there are actually Bible verses, right, on rapture in the book of Revelation. And, and when, when the person spoke to me on this, I was surprised, right, surprised to hear that. And, and I said, okay, okay, please show me where are the verses that you just mentioned. And let me show you right now the verses, right, that explain, and, and <laughs> let me show these verses right now, what this brother showed me, and I will explain why these verses are not on rapture. Okay, so this brother showed me this from Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 1 into Let me read to you right now. It says this after this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. So this brother said that, Pastor, come up here. This means rapture has taken place. Then he said that, you look at verse 2, at once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne st- stood in heaven and we once seated on the throne. And so this brother said, you see, uh, John, was, John the Revelator was raptured up into heaven. So when I heard that, uh, I smiled at this brother. I said, okay, okay, let me explain. You see, one of the key principles of, uh, on exegesis of scriptures is that we must examine the text Within the context. The text within the context. We cannot use the English word say, come up here and say this is rapture. So we must examine right now the text within the context. So let's examine examine the text right now that says, come up here. The word come up here does not mean it is the rapture. Firstly, when you examine the original Greek words, for come up here in Revelations 4.1 and caught up in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, the meaning of both words will tell us that they are not referring to the same event. From the original text itself, you you can see that they they are not the same event. Secondly, let me show you right now the context of the passage in Revelation 4. The context was such that John the Revelator the writer of Revelation was caught up in the spirit where he saw visions from God and in one of the visions he was brought into the council of heaven and he saw God's throne surrounded by many many other thrones this is a uh, this is a divine council scene and he was in a vision where he saw himself taken into God's presence to see what would happen in the tribulation Now, that's the context where the words are used come up here. So once you understand the text in its context, you can easily conclude that John was not raptured out of the tribulation. He was still on earth seeing the vision that God showed him. Now, so with this explanation, let me again say that the concept of rapture is not found in Revelation. However, Let me also add to the complexity of the end-time rapture. Even though the pre-tribulation rapture is not found in the book of Revelation, it is still a position held by the assemblies of God, which Grace Assembly is part of. There are verses outside of Revelation that support a pre-tribulation rapture, but we will not be taking time to go through them. Now, personally, if you ask me, personally, I look forward to being wretched, taken out of the tribulation, and not experiencing the trials and difficulties in the, in, the, in, the, in the end time events. Now, how many of you here, you are super excited and all ready to go through a tribulation as revealed in the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven, seven bowls? How many of you here, you're ready to take on the great tribulation, please raise your hand. Four of you, hallelujah. Bless the four of you. See, most of us, most of us, right, do not look forward to them at all. We don't look forward to tribulation, isn't it? We do not like to suffer. And we prefer physical comfort and emotional well-being, isn't it? See, the moment pre-tribulation rapture happens, hallelujah we are free from the tribulation free escape totally but 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 we must be ready that if the pre-tribulation rapture does not occur we must go through the tribulation with the assurance that god is in absolute control of the world and our lives. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Do not be shocked or lose your faith in the Bible when you go through the tribulation without the rapture first taking place. You see, church, there are many, many end time systems postulating what can happen in the future. If the pre-tribulation rapture happens, praise God. But if it does not happen, we will still praise God Because God's Word has already prepared us for the tribulation. More importantly, be steady. Be steady and know that the Bible has prepared us for the worst-case scenario. The book of Revelation was written to the believers in the seven churches in Asia Minor. And they were told to persevere through the tribulation and be ready for what would come. And we have also seen from God's word that God will protect His people through the tribulation. So tell neighbor on your left and right, tell anybody neighbor that right now, God is, God is in control. Our God is in control. Now, some of you may be thinking, say, Pastor, after I hear you say so much, right? My question is this, Pastor, does this uncertainty of the rapture disturb you? Does it disturb me? Well, it used to disturb me, but not anymore. Why? Let me explain. The uncertainty does not disturb me because I choose today to major in what is very, very certain in God's Word. I major in what is very certain. God's Word tells me that Christ will return, and that's the certainty. How and when will christ return ah now that's something we need to hang loosely because of the many metaphors used in revelation god's word tells us that there will be tribulations and that's a certainty right as seen in the seven seals the seven trumpets and the seven bowls that one for sure sure come but how the seven seals the seven trumpets And the seven bowls are executed. Now, we need to hold that loosely and not be overly rigid over their sequence. You see, God's word tells us that there will be the rapture. Now, that's a certainty based on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But, church, we must not be destabilized in our faith when it does not happen in our own timeline. You understand? It will happen, but not in accordance to your timeline. And therefore, let's focus on events that are certain and hang loose on details that are uncertain. Therefore, as believers today, we can hope. We can hope for the best to experience pre-tribulation rapture. But we must be equally ready to persevere through the tribulation when we see the intensification of the end-time events around us. So tell a neighbour on your left and right, tell them right now, hope for the best, but be ready for the worst. Hope for the best, but be ready for the worst. This was exactly how I felt this week when I went with my youngest son to pick up his PSLE result. (laughs) Hope for the best, but I was prepared for the worst. Hallelujah. As I mentioned earlier, I hope, I really hope, right, I hope that we will all experience the pre-tribulation rapture. But we must be prepared to go through tribulation if the rapture comes later. Now, some of us, we are uncomfortable with the idea that God will allow us to go through tribulation the big question is this and this was also asked by some Grecians. they said why will god allow us to go through the tribulation why pastor why is it that god would allow us to go through tribulation i'm a christian there god's, i'm a god's, I'm, I'm part of god's kingdom i'm god's child you know why is it that god allow me to go through that well we ask such question because we see things through our human lenses that value earthly comfort and personal security. However, church, there are many, many stories in the Bible where God allowed personal tribulations to happen as well. I'll give you a few examples. God allowed Moses to go through a personal tribulation of running away into the wilderness for 40 years after killing an Egyptian, God allowed Jacob, allowed Jacob to go through a personal tribulation of losing his health, his wealth, and his children. And number three, God allowed the nation of Israel to go through a national tribulation when they became slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Later, God even allowed Israel to go through tribulation when the entire nation was exiled out of their land by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. But, and you know that God also allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to endure the tribulation of pain and suffering of the cross. You see, church, at the end of the day, God permitted His people to go through personal and national tribulations to serve His purpose on earth. God permitted them because He knew the outcome of each situation, of each tribulation, of each crisis. Every story that I mentioned had a purpose that God wanted to accomplish through the tribulation. Therefore, God can allow His people to go through tribulation, to strengthen and to purify them for His purpose. And church, we must not be afraid to let God use every situation to prepare us for His coming. So tell neighbor on your left and right, tell neighbor right now, trust in God's purpose for you. That's right, trust in God's purpose for your life. Now let me sum up right now on on the issue of rapture. Let me sum it up by saying this. Firstly, Revelation does not mention the concept of rapture, or concept of the rapture, but it is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Secondly, we hope for pre-tribulation rapture. We all hope for it. That's the best situation. But we must be ready to persevere through the tribulation if it does not happen. All right, so remember this. This is a principle that I want to leave with all of you so you are aware. If ever, if ever you, are, you doubted the Word of God, come back and revisit this, especially on the, on the whole concept of tribulation and rapture. So with the explanation of the rapture, let me now move on to another issue that I touched on in Sermon number nine on the Book of Deeds and the Book of Life. The Book of Deeds, the Books of Deeds, and the Book of Life. Um, let's revisit the passage right now on these two heavenly books in Revelation 20, verse 11. It says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, and from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. First of all, there were books were opened, the books of deeds. And then book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, if you remember in Sermon number 9, I explained that there are two categories of books found in this passage. The book of deeds, the books of deeds, and the book of life. These heavenly books were used to judge the dead those who believe in Christ and those who didn't. And scholars believe that the heavenly books were metaphors to describe God's memory of everyone's life on earth. Essentially, the books tell us that God is omniscient where He knows everything that happens in our lives. Now, these heavenly books serve two primary purposes. Number one, to account for the deeds of everyone on earth. And number two, to contain the names of those loyal, loyal and devoted to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to revisit these heavenly books right now because of my conversation with some Grecians who were disturbed by the books of deeds. Now, they were disturbed because there seemed to be a contradiction between the books of deeds and the book of life. Okay, so you see what happened is this. If the final outcome at at the judgment day, if the final outcome on judgment day is for the book of life to separate those with Christ and those who are thrown into a lake of fire, are believers still judged by the books of deeds? Are believers still judged by the books of deeds? Now, in the case of a pre-believer, we know that the books of deeds will judge him because his name is not written in the book of life. We know that. We explain that. And we know from the Bible that if if, if one's name is not written in the book of life, he will be eternally separated from Christ. The books of deeds will probably justify the outcome because this person's name is not written in the book of life. So, what about the case of a believer? Well, for a believer, his records will also be found in both the books of deeds and the book of life. Why? Because it shows, about, it shows God's omniscience, God's all-knowing nature of our life. So, God knows everything. So, what's the point then? What's the point of having his record in the books of deeds since his name is already in the book of life? Well, very simple. The book of life shows the names of those who are loyal and devoted to God. Now, how many of you here, are loyal and devoted to God? How many of you? Ten of you. Hallelujah. One more time. How many of you are devoted and loyal to Jesus Christ? Come on. A lot more now. Thank you. Now, we are clear. We are clear that one's entry, right, into God's eternal purpose is based solely on the book of life as, as explained by Pastor Ming Cham last weekend. If that's the case, what's the use of the book of deeds? The books of deeds for a believer. Well, very simple. The books of deeds validate a believer's loyalty. It validates his devotion to Christ through his actions and behaviors on earth. So what happens then? What happens if a believer fails to live up to God's standard. And this happens, right, to all of us when we sin against God because of our anger, because of our frustration, or because of lack of self-control, because that day we, we didn't pray now, we didn't read God's Word, or something happened in our life that we just sinned against God, right? That happens. So will God use a believer's human fallenness found in the books of deeds against him and then remove his name from the book of life? Let me repeat the question one more time. Will God use your human fallenness found in the books of deeds against you and remove your name from the book of life? Will God do that? Yes or no? Yes or no? And the answer is... Yes or no? No. I count three. One, two, three. No. No, The answer is no. Thank you so much for those of you who have been following the series. The answer is no. God does not remove your name from the book of life when we occasionally sin or fall short of God's expectation of us. Can somebody say, Hengar. Why? Church, because very simple. Salvation is solely by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is solely by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And there is nothing we can do to earn God's salvation for us. It is solely by grace through faith. Say with me right now, grace through faith. Your name is written in the book of life solely by the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And here's the truth, church, and I want you to listen carefully. What we cannot earn in human effort, that means salvation, right? What we cannot earn in human effort, we will not lose through human failures. One more time. What we cannot earn in human effort, we will not lose through human failures. If we cannot earn salvation through human effort, we will not lose salvation through human failings. Our human weakness or weaknesses cannot remove our names from the book of life. Only unbelieving disloyalty towards Christ, unbelieving disloyalty will lead one to lose his salvation in Jesus Christ. That means you reject Christ. You don't want Christ anymore in your life. Only when that happens will you lose your salvation. And as a loyal and devoted believer of Christ who occasionally falls short of God's holiness, your name will remain in the book of life. As long as you do not reject Christ as the Lord and Savior, your personal sins cannot remove your name from the book of life. Yes, the book of deeds may show our fallenness, but God does not use them against us because our names are written in the book of life. However, if we think that this gives us the license right now to live a loose and sinful life, allow me to bring correction to this wrong thinking. The books of deeds remind us today that how we live our lives on earth is still important in the eyes of God. If we are loyal and devoted believers of Christ, our lives must represent our Lord Jesus. Yes, we don't, earn, we don't need to earn our salvation or to be fearful of the books of deeds, but we must live in such a way that others around us can testify that we are God's people on earth. And we must represent Christ through our lives if we are truly born again by the Holy Spirit. The books of deeds will have records of us. But these records will validate our transformed lives as God's people. Can somebody say amen? The books of deeds Remind me of my primary school days. And this was very real to me when I went back to my primary school a few days ago with my son, right? To collect the result. You must understand that when when I was in my lower primary, the school prefects were greatly feared figures. Now, how many of you in your school, you have school prefects? How many of you? I have school prefects in my school, right? And they wear a badge called prefects. And when I was in my time, in my time, right, many, many years ago, in my time, they were greatly feared in the school because they enforced school discipline, right, together with the discipline master. And each of the prefects, they were were given each a notebook. It's a triple five, triple five notebook, if you remember, some of you. The older ones will know, right? Sign, go on, triple five. It's a triple five notebook, then with a chop of the school crest on it. And to me, like the prefects, notebooks were like like books of deeds that recorded the misbehavior of naughty and mischievous students. So what happened was that on one occasion, my name was written in one of the prefects' book of deeds for being late for school. It wasn't my problem. The, the The bus came late, really. On another occasion, my name was also recorded because I was caught talking during the assembly time. You cannot blame me. I didn't bring a book at that, day, at, at that point. I forgot to bring my book, so I, I just talk, spoke to my friends. And I was caught. So you can see that my school was not the most progressive, right? In treating unique kids like me. <laughs> and because my name was recorded twice, I was caught into the discipline master's office with a group of other exceptional kids. So we all call in, right? So we stood before our our discipline master. And my discipline master, right, in his stern voice, holding a cane, in those times they actually cane you, right? They held a cane and they waved the cane at us, warned us that our parents would be informed if our names were to be recorded again in the prefect's books of deeds. And after warning us, he gave us all a a chance to say that this is your last chance, okay, guys. And he said this, he said that, I will erase your records only if you behave yourself until the end of the term. And it was about about two more months before the end of the school term. So what happened? I put on my best behavior in school, my best behavior, and I avoided getting another negative record. You must understand that the motivation was not to be the model student, but rather out of the fear, out of fear of being caught again and facing punitive discipline. And at the end of the term, I was informed that my negative record was removed and my discipline status start anew with the next school uh, school term. And I was like, oh, hang on. I passed this school term without involving my parents. So, looking back right now, looking back, right, I was so thankful that God does not function like my primary school discipline system. I'm so thankful, right? God does not use the books of deeds to punish me, but instead, use, He uses the book of life to accept me into His family. And furthermore, I'm not motivated right now by the fear of the books of deeds to live my life right before God. I'm motivated today to live for Christ because I want to please and glorify God as His child. I'm not driven by fear, but by the desire to love and obey my King and Savior. And even if I fail, in God's eyes, even if I fail, I can always come back before God, ask for His forgiveness, and be embraced by His love for me. And that's the privilege, church, of every child of God. Can somebody say amen? With that, with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, all over this place, I believe that some of us are going through personal trials and challenges. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you here right now. And as you go through these trials and hardships, you need God to be with you because only God knows the reason for the situation you're going through right now. But more importantly, church, as you face these challenges, these personal trials, you want to declare, you're saying, God, I want to declare my loyalty and devotion to You. I will not allow my situation to affect my devotion. Affect my allegiance to you I will always be loyal And devoted to you Regardless Regardless of God of my situation Regardless of what I'm going through right now And if that's you You're saying, God I want to declare my devotion and my allegiance to you Regardless of my situation If that's you Lift your hands all over this place right now Lift your hands and say, God I want to lift my hands to declare, that's right, thank you. I want to lift my hands to declare my loyalty, my devotion to you regardless of my situation. No matter how difficult it may be, I'll lift my hands to declare that God, you are my Lord and King. My allegiance, my devotion is to you. Thank you, many hands. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. That's right, lift your hands. You have not Thank you. You say, God, thank you. My allegiance, my loyalty is to you. Hallelujah. Another group of you You know that God has spoken to you to live in the freedom of being His children. You don't need to earn God's favor or to get into God's good books. Why? Because God has already loved you. Yes, you may feel that you're not good enough at times, not good enough for God, not good enough to be His, His son, His daughter. Hey, but I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you as you are in your weakness. Even if you have failed Him, God's love for you has not changed. As long as you are loyal, you are devoted to Jesus Christ. And today you say, God, I want to live in the freedom of Christ's love for me. God, God, yes God, I don't need to earn your love for me because you have already loved me. And today you are saying, God, restore me. And fill me with your love, afresh and anew again. God, restore me and let your love fill me afresh and anew as your child, as your son, as your daughter. If that's you, lift your hands all over this place right now. Thank you. Thank you. As I lift your hands to Him, thank you. You say, God, re- restore me as your son and daughter. Thank you. God, I know I, I, I'm never good enough, but I know you love me. You accept me if that's you lift your hands to him as in response to god's love for you say god thank you for your love i raise my hand right now god refresh and renew me if that's you lift your hands right now thank you that's right thank you thank you thank you Church, would you stand with me all over this place right now stand with me all over this place i want to open the altars right now and before you go today i'm going to pray with you because i sense that god wants to touch some of you before you go if you have raised your hands whichever area i don't know but only you know and you you and god you know you have lifted your hands even if you have not it doesn't matter i want to open the orders for you to come before the lord and say god refresh restore renew my life touch me afresh and anew again if that's you come quickly right now as a team leads us thank you lord
1: you can't go back to the beginning.
0: That's right, come Can't quickly. When you pray, you Lord come right. The pastors and leaders will be here to pray for you. But
1: I know here in the middle
0: is the place where you
1: promised to
0: respond to the Lord if the altar calls has spoken to you I will encourage you to come to the front the leaders are here to support you and you are not alone in this journey for the rest of us let's worship the Lord together
1: me sing that again can't go back by-